same God who never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I You can have a seat. High five somebody. Sorry. I'm talking to myself here. My bad. Uh, sometimes it's good to be muted. I saw some high fives. Thank you, guys. I'm so thankful that you're here today. Thank you for hanging out with us. 
today as uh, we get to continue in worship here with the Vine Worship Team. Brand new song, that was awesome. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, my name's Tyler West. I get to serve as the pastor here at the Vine Church. If there's any way that I can pray for you or serve you, uh, my email address is tyler.west at thevine.tv or you can reach out to me on my cell phone or shoot me a text at 864-706-9634. If it's your first time with us today, we would love to invite you to the garden after the service. When you come hang out with us, if you're watching online, we would love to give you a free gift after the service. And it's not about the gift. The gift that we're gonna give you is an awesome, awesome water bottle, but more importantly, we're gonna give you the gift of our contact information. So that way, if we can serve you throughout the week or pray with and for you, we have folks who would love to do that. As a matter of fact, we have folks that just, you have those people in your life, like when they pray, things happen. We got folks in this church that are willing to do that. So we would love to see you in the garden after the service. And we say this all the time here at the Vine Church. We have folks who love to give of their time, their talent, their treasure. It's not about a number. It's not about a percentage. It's about our heart being aligned with God to do what he's called us to do. And so each and every week, we have folks who do that. And if you would like to take part in that, you can give at thevine.tv slash give or give in our tithe box after the service. And here's what I want to tell you. Here at the Vine Church, we do everything we can to show the world that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's not about us. It's not about keeping a number in the bank account. It's about taking every dollar that's given and asking Jesus what he would have us do with it. And so that is exactly what we do. And I'm so thankful at the Vine Church that we have generous people who are willing to give what God calls them to give. So if you want to take a part of that, I want to tell you what God can do with your $1.00 is more than you could do with a hundred of you keeping it in your bank. So if God's calling you to give a dollar, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, we're gonna keep going ten million dollars, hundred million dollars, a billion. I'm just saying, whoever's watching, if that's you, Jesus has an earmark for what he wants to do, and you can be a part of the blessing he wants you to be a part of. So please take advantage of that. And one of the reasons we give, guys, of our time, talent, and treasure is one of our ministries here at the Vine Church is our Vine Kids ministry. And I want to tell you, it is a growing ministry. It is a ministry where we teach our children Jesus on their level. We want to teach them to connect to Jesus. We want to teach them to grow in their walk with Jesus. And we want to teach them to go into the world and share Jesus with the world. And we know that we're, as we are taught, if you raise up a child in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it when they are old. It's such a wise proverb, but I'm telling you, many of us grew up in church. And many of our stories may be that we walked away from church for a moment, but we went back to those times that we learned as a child who Jesus is. And I'm thankful for the volunteers that are there. We don't get to see them every week. They are the unsung heroes that are investing in generation that is going to completely change the world more than we could ask or imagine. So thank you to each and every person because not only because you give financially, but because you give with your resources, your time, your talent, and treasure. We have children who are going to learn up, learn uh, who Jesus is, but more important, they're going to grow up being all God created them to be and not what the world says they are. And that's what's awesome about what we get to do at the Vine. So Thank you to our Vine Kids ministry. They're not going to see this until the replay. So I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I know Joel and Perrette are in there serving away, taking care of those sweet babies over there. So Joel and Perrette Candler, thank you for what you do and how you invest in our Vine Kids. So we're going to continue on into worship here. So uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer for a second, but I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm literally just going to pray for peace over us. I'm going to say one word, and I'm just going to say peace. I'm just going to say peace when I pray, and then I'm going to say amen. And I'm believing as we experience God's peace today, we're going to see him in a new and fresh way. And whatever we brought in here, we're going to lay it down. And we're going to get to experience him during worship and experience peace as we see him in a new way. So after I get done praying, I'm going to ask you to stand up and continue worshiping with our Vine worship team.
So let's pray. Peace, Jesus. That's all that we ask today because when you are here, we can't help but experience peace, Jesus. So whatever we have, I just ask for peace. I pray that we would live out peace. I pray the world would see peace no matter what the storm is. I pray that the world would see peace when we say yes. Peace, Jesus. That's what I pray for us today. It's in your name. Amen. Now stand and sing with us. Darkness tries to roll over my bones When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captain to the light. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't.
This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Worshiping Him, this is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like we're surrounded, but we're surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I find my battles. 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 Hear me look like I'm. somebody in this church that just had a really rough week 
and we don't usually want anything to do with you when life is just crashing down on us. But God, you've told us time and time again that in our lowest valleys, we have to worship you. And this is how we fight those battles. Every day, whatever we're going through, we worship him to fight through our battles because we can't do it alone. We need him to fight our battles for us. He is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Sing it with me. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Sing it. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we fight our battles. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us. Even when we forget you, you do not forget us. And you always draw us back to you. God, I pray that our worship has softened our hearts and that we can hear your word. God, I pray that the Spirit will move today and change lives. God, you have blessed us so much and we deserve so little. Thank you, God. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Now can take a seat. What happens when we start to veer? To wander? To allow our freedom to take us somewhere we didn't intend to go? Will we lose the road? Or is there a way to find it again? All right, hug three people, let them know you love them. You know, that's how we roll today. Come on now. Seeing some love. I see some love. There is love all around in this house. Yes. 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 There's love. Somebody just threw something at me. I don't know. That's love. I'm just kidding. It didn't happen. That's it. Yes. Across the room. I felt it. I felt it. All right. Hey, uh, over these last few... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Over these last few weeks, uh, we've been diving into this series... Uh, <laughs> called rumble strip and we've been talking about how those rumble strips pop up in our life and how they matter for each and every one of us and uh you know hopefully we've been learning some things today i'm going to be real with you it's going to be something that i believe that the spirit is going to challenge you i believe that it's going to it's going to press in a little bit but here's what i want to tell you i want to remind you you're not walking through this alone because that's the hardest thing in the world is we think that we have to take steps of obedience alone. And believe it or not, that's why we are here as a church. And so when we're talking about these rumble strips that we have in our life, we, we heard it at the beginning of this opener where it's that 
Like we think we probably got a flat tire, but really it's, we can't drive straight. So uh, when we have those in our life, God creates these rumble strips in our life so that we can stay in our lane to be all that he created us to be. And so we've been walking through the book of Joshua, and today we're going to continue to walk through the book of Joshua as we continue our series of rumble strip as we talk about over the edge. Over the edge. That's a really cool thing, but when I think about over the edge, uh, if you know anything about me, how many folks here have ever been to Las Vegas? Just a few and the pastor. Wonderful. Uh, Las Vegas. Uh, the, I was building a testimony, you know, boogie woogie, and it is what it is. Uh, so in Las Vegas, they have this thing called the Stratosphere. Okay, there's this hotel called the Stratosphere. And 106 stories high, they have what's called thrill rides. Okay, so here's one of the rides they have 106 stories high. So when I went to the county fair, if, if my family will know, if I went to the county fair, one of my favorite rides is called like the Gravitron or something, and it just rolls you back and forth. It gives you all the thrill of a roller coaster without being high on a roller coaster, and I used to love it, and now in my older age, it's probably how I'll get rid of some of the kidney stones I have, but it is what it is, uh, this thing called the Gravitron, and it pulls you back and forth. So 106 stories high, what they have at the stratosphere is they have a ride that goes out over the edge of the stratosphere, opens up with nothing below you, and spins you around. How many folks would love to do that? Yes, a few folks. These folks have life insurance. That's what's wonderful. Like, there's that ride. They have another one that actually is, is, is called the x Scream. And I don't know why they call it the X scream. It's probably because you have a four-letter word before you scream that comes out. So it's called the X scream, and it's like a teeter-totter. And what it does is it goes out 106 stories high, and it flies you over the end of this 106 stories high and slams on brakes real quick. And then brings you back up and puts you back out open in the middle of nothing and slams on brakes. Does anybody ever hope that the brake pads are working in that teeter-totter at that time called the X-Stream. It literally brings you over the edge. And so when I'm thinking about this, and I was getting ready for this week, I thought about that. That thing that, that brings you out is called the insanity where there's nothing below you because you've got to be insane to do it. And then the X-Scream is the thing that goes out. But it started thinking about in our life, so many times it's a thrill to go over the edge, isn't it? Some folks say, no. as I get older, no, it's probably not. But it's a thrill to go over the edge. Uh, because so many times in our life, it's just some enjoyment to it. But when I look back over my life and I look back at my walk with Jesus, I just start going, I, I don't know if you journal. How many folks journal in here? You like to journal. You like to do those things. I journal. So I like the reason that I journal is I like to go back and look over it sometimes. And it confirms that I'm crazy, number one. But number two, as I've looked back over my journal and I look back at what God's done in my life, I went back this past few weeks, uh, this week as I was going back the past few years and just saying, okay, God, how have you been growing me? You know what I expected to find? I expected to find the thrill ride, like, like the, the skipping, the, the happy-go-lucky, God is so faithful, I'm praising his name every minute of every day, what a good Christian I am. And you know what I found in my journal? Maybe you'll find it in yours. I'm a pretty messy Christian when it comes to listening to Jesus and doing what he says. As a matter of fact, I can see in my life where I've struggled with doubt, where I've struggled with crises, where I've actually had times in my life where I've been caught in the comparison trap wondering why in the world it was so easy for everybody else to be obedient to what God called them to, but it was so hard for me to be obedient to what he's called me to. And maybe that connects with you today. And maybe you don't, you don't expect someone to stand up here and share their story and say, hey, this is where I am, but here's the one I want to tell you. 
What I noticed is when I was walking through those times in my life, I literally tried to drive my relationship with Jesus over the edge. But I don't know about you, by God's grace, I'm so thankful that there's nothing that I could ever do to take his affectionate gaze off of me because he loves me so much, because he sent his son to die for me. There's nothing I could ever do to make him stop loving me, even if he has to discipline me with a rumble strip when I'm trying to go over the edge. But what I, what I wanted to share with you today as we talk about being over the edge is maybe you are in that season where following Jesus and being obedient, there were times in my journal where I saw it was like the air I breathed. It was so easy. Like I experienced God in a way that I never thought I would. But then there were these other times that were just this dry desert of a season where I feel like Jesus was just leading a full out fledgling assault on the dreams and promises that he said he was going to give me. Has anybody else ever been there? Am I just the only one that's walked through that? And if not, maybe you have walked through it or you are walking through it. But I, I can tell you all day long that there's hope. I can tell you all day long that Jesus is who he says he is because he is. But the thing that I want you to get today, no matter what, is I noticed in those seasons when I walked through it alone, I was in sheer desperation and sheer depression. But when I walked through it with the church, when I walked through it in good Christian community, it's amazing no matter whether I was in the desert, no matter when I was on the mountaintop, how I experienced God in a new way. So if you don't get anything out of what we're talking about today, I want you to see how you can walk in obedience with Jesus even if you feel like you're going over the edge. So I want us to answer one question today, and that's it as we get into Joshua. The one question I want us to answer today is what compels you? What compels you? What compels you? Because we hear about God, we hear about following him obediently, we hear about what it means to follow Jesus, but I just want to ask you, what compels you? So today, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be hanging out in Joshua, the end of Joshua 6 and the beginning of Joshua 7. We're going to be talking about this guy that literally went over the edge in his walk with the Lord. And we're going to find out what compelled him to do what he did. If you don't have your Bible, we have some free for the asking. I say that every week. Maybe you would like to follow on the Bible app. If you want to open that up, go to the events tab, and you can find the Vine TV worship experience there. Uh, make sure your location services are on, and you can follow along with us there. But if you've got your Bible today and you like to open it, you know me. I kind of like to have this. I got my digital thing, but I like to read the Word of God from the Word of God. If you've got your Bible today, we're going to start with the last verse of Joshua chapter 6 and go on into chapter 7. And we're going to talk about and answer this question, what compels you? Verse 27 says this, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. Man, that's obedience, hardcore. Like, that's where we all want to be, right? Like, fame spreads throughout the land. They got signs, ticker tape parades. They still do those things, I don't know. Uh, they're throwing out candy at all the kids on the sidewalk for you to pray. Like, we love that. That's what we want. We want to be where Joshua is. And for Israel right here, the first six chapters that they're following God, it's like that. They're following him obediently. Like, it's like the air they breathe, the obedience they have. Like, when God tells them to take a step, they're a little fearful, but they do it. Like, we're going into God's promise. We just crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Like, we're so excited, and, and we're getting ready. They just saw the walls of Jericho fall after walking around it seven, six days, and on the seventh day, they did it seven times, and it fell down. And so what ends up happening is the fame of Joshua spreads throughout the land. That's what we all want, isn't it? For real. Like, that is obedience. That is the mountaintop experience. That's where you're like, man, God, you were there. I breathed. 
That's when you write those wonderful things in your journal about this flowery language about how great God is and how much he's moved. And you're seeing what compels you to be obedient to him. But then one word changes everything. In Joshua 7, the first word, but. You know when that happens in the Bible, that something's about to change, right? Like anytime you were ever in a store with me, anytime I got to hang out with my teams, I always said, can never have butts because we don't do butt monkeys in my store because we don't do butts. Anytime somebody would say butt, I would say that's a butt monkey. We don't deal with that. That's a mean word. We don't deal with that. We don't do the butt. That's not butt. We don't, we don't say butt because that means that you're going to come up with an excuse. We talk about what we're going to do with solutions. So what ends up happening with Joshua is they're following the Lord and it says but, but the Israelites were unfaithful. Now, if you got your Bible, circle that. Highlight that, whatever that is, feel free to write in your Bible. That's okay, I promise you, God's not going to be mad at you for that. The Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah from the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So as we camp out here for a second, let's unpack kind of what's happening here. So God said, listen, you're going to cross Jordan on dry land. You're going to go to this place called Jericho. It's got these awesome big walls, and they're going to come tumbling down. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because it's the first city that you're conquering when you come over the Jordan, that city is mine. Everything in it has to be devoted to me. Everything that you plunder has to go to the Lord's treasuries. That is my city. That's why we talk about first fruits. That is the first fruits. That is the first city that was taken. And so he said, you can't take anything. That's what he talks about in Joshua 6. Can't take anything from the city for yourself because it's mine. And the man who does that is cursed and must be killed. So here's the thing. This guy named Akon takes some stuff. He takes some stuff from, from what God told him to do. He, it started with just a little bit, and he started taking some stuff. And the thing that blows my mind here with Akon as we unpack this is so many times when we're following Jesus, we think that our disobedience doesn't affect everyone. Akon is a prime example that it does. Who did it say the Lord was angry with first? All of Israel. Church, we are one church body. Just as much as our obedience blesses everyone around us, our disobedience does the same. So one man's disobedience here, Akon, he ends up taking this stuff. And we're going to walk through his story in a second, but I want to tell you a little bit about, about this man named Akon. He's not a rapper. If you know, you know. That's when I grew up. Akon, if you know, you know. I know you all are thinking about it. Convict music. If you know, you know. Probably getting copyright claim. Akon. Akon. The name Akon in Hebrew means troubler. How would you like that name? Troubler. Every time somebody said your name, Akon, Troubler. So literally, here comes trouble. Like it was Akon. So anytime you want to say that and you want to speak in code, just say, Akon's coming. <laughs> you know, Akon. <laughs> Akon's are coming. Something like that. You know, you do that. Akon. It means trouble. And so what ends up happening is Akon takes this stuff, he buries it in his tent, and what Israel does is they don't know that God's mad at them. Because they just saw Jericho fall, and they see the next city that pops up. And, and, and sometimes, I've been saying this wrong my whole life, so hang in here with me. I've always called it Ai. Ai, but it's not Ai. The name of it is I, 
A-I literally is pronounced I. So they have their eye on I, and what ends up happening is they go to attack this place. Joshua sends out some spies. They go out, and they're like, listen, dude, like, we just saw the walls of Jericho fall. Like, we got all these men that are ready for battle. <laughs> There's nobody who lives in this place. It's going to be an easy win. Send about two or 3,000 men. We'll take them over in a day. We'll be home by break. We'll be home by, by, by lunch, you know. We'll be good. We'll go out early in the morning. We'll be home by lunch, have an enjoyable dinner with family and have some celebrations, blow the ram's horn. We'll be good to go. So what ends up happening is they go to Ai, and Israel is routed, like completely routed. Like, they just had a small army defeat them. And it's their first defeat when they cross the Jordan. And what ends up happening is 36 men die. So if you think that your disobedience doesn't affect everyone else, Akon's disobedience left 36 families without a father, left 36 families without a brother, left 36 leaders in Israel dead, left 36 uncles gone, left 36 men dead. And so many times in my walk and so many times in our walk, we'll think, well, I deserve this, right? Like my disobedience, I deserve this. Well, if you ever think that the small things don't matter, sleep with a mosquito in your bedroom and tell me the small things don't matter, right? It'll bug the turd out of you. <laughs> you can't do nothing. Either that or a fly over your meal in the summertime. Like you can't swat enough of them things, can you? Like, yeah, that's it. You spend your whole time doing it. You go into jungle mode like you're ready to go. So the small things matter. So when we look, because of Akon's disobedience, those 36 men die. But let's look at what Joshua did. Y'all know I'm a Joshua guy, and I'm learning from Joshua. I love Joshua. What Joshua ends up doing is before they go to battle, he's so confident in the Lord, he doesn't need prayer. He just rushes right in. Like, you said you were going to give it to me, right? Like, he just rushes right in. And because he didn't do that and ask God what his will would be as they went into that city, those men die. And so what I want us to get from that as we're learning and we're going to camp out a little more here in Joshua 7 is so many times in your walk with Jesus, maybe you're on the mountaintop of obedience experience and you hit this brick wall. You just hit this thing and it feels like God is just tearing everything down. That's exactly where Joshua was. But I wonder if he would have prayed before he went into battle how much different it would be. Because when they lose, what do you think Joshua did? He got down on his face and prayed. Like when we do that, right? Like when we get caught, like when we did something and we get caught. Like I don't know about you, but like I was always more worried when I got in trouble about getting caught more than actually the, the punishment because I was embarrassed when I got caught. Like that was me as a kid. Like I was just embarrassed. I was more embarrassed. I'd get the shake. Like if you know the shake. I would always get the shake if I did something wrong. It was always it. I would shiver. Like I would be so embarrassed from that. And uh, that, that's just probably pride in me, but it, that's where Joshua was. He didn't ask God what he would have them do and how they could walk in obedience into his promise. And so he rushed in and he prayed. And if he prayed before the battle, he wouldn't have had to plead for victory after they got defeated. And so when you're walking with God and you're walking in obedience and you're trying to do what he says and he's called you to something, don't try to get ahead of him. Sit back in prayer and ask because when Joshua prays, he gets down on his knees face first and the prayer he prays, is the same thing Israel told Moses when they crossed the Red Sea. He said, God, why did you bring us over the Jordan to die? How would you like if I walked in here this morning and my prayer right after that welcome, right after that worship would have been, God, why did you bring all these people here to die today? Like, what's going on? You'd probably think something's crazy wrong with me, and you should. Something's wrong with me if that's the case. 
But that's where he was. He was so distraught because he knew he had been obedient, but because of the disobedience of one man, it affected the entire church, the entire body of Christ, the everyone in it. And so when Joshua gets down and he prays to God and says, what is it you would have me do? God does the, the best thing I've ever seen him do, one of the coolest things I could hear, hear him say. Stand up. He says, stand up. Joshua's on his knees trying to have a prayer meeting, and God says, stand up. Let me tell you what's wrong before you go forward. There's someone in your camp who has sinned, this guy named Akon, this person. He said, I will point it out to you. He actually didn't tell him it was Akon. He said, I will point him out to you, get all of Israel ready, consecrate all the people, and you will go family by family, and I will show you who they are. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go family by family, and everyone who is, I'm just kidding, that's it. That's it. I'm just kidding. Everybody got real. Everybody walked out the door for the exits. I don't blame you. I would too. Imagine that as a leader. You just cross dry ground, and God says, hey, you got to point out to everyone who has sinned, the one man who has sinned. Man, I would not want to be Joshua. Be a tough place to be. And so when Joshua gets all the families together, God literally does that before we pick up verse 19. He brings out all these families together and they go through all the 12 tribes one by one. We know where this is going. This is what I love about Joshua is you can see in the beginning where it's going and it gets narrower and narrower. And Joshua comes to Achan and verse 19 says this. Joshua says to Achan, my son, Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver. You would think it's one thing, right? So he says, no, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. If you got your Bible, look at this. I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with silver underneath. You see, Akon didn't come clean to the last moment. I'm going to see what happens to Akon because of that. You can guess what happens because of that, because God is true to his word. His word will come about. But Akon had all this time. Like, Akon could have went to those 36 funerals and been like, I messed up. I, I can't tell you. I'm so sorry. I messed up, and he didn't. When all those tribes were getting narrowed down, he was the very last one that got picked. After all of those, I imagine after the second tribe went down, if he's thinking, am I going to get away with this? Then the third tribe comes, the fourth tribe, he continues to go down. And then finally, he comes clean. And you see, if he just would have waited one more chapter, he could have had all he wanted. But instead, our disobedience, the sin in our life, is what we could see play out here with Akon. Look in verse 21, what it says he did, how this played out in his life. When I saw, you see, his saw was his desire for something new. He saw something. He saw something, and all of a sudden, he coveted it. He says, I saw all these things. Then it says, I coveted them. He was deceived. The, the Hebrew word there, uh, it escapes me right now, so forgive me, but the word that's there is it's actually an animal trap that's set up. 
Now, we know about those here down south. We got those coon traps that we set outside and we put something in there and we get a, a coon or a possum, a raccoon or a possum to get out from the, the garage. We'll set up, it's got a trap door on it. Usually we put like something in there to draw it out. That's what this thing did. And that's what sin will do in our life. Our disobedience will do is it'll entice us enough to draw us out to get us to a place to where the door slams shut behind us and we're stuck. And so when he saw that, he was deceived, and all of a sudden he had a decision to make, and his decision was that he took them. He took them. You see, that's how our disobedience will play out here in the churches because we know our disobedience will lead to death. Our disobedience is sin in our life. Our disobedience, the times in our life where we're not obedient to the Lord or we're not following him for the right reason, it can lead us to disobedience, and it literally leads to death. That's why we preach confession and repentance. I will tell it to you this way. One of the things that's so hard in a Christian life is we think we outgrow confession and repentance. We think that we confess and repent when we give our life to Jesus. We're done. We don't have to do anything else. Like, it's done. But I'm telling you, that is why we have confession and repentance. Because when we don't walk that way and we keep it hidden like Akon did, we rob the church the body of Christ, its primary function outside of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, and that's rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. When we confess to our brothers and we repent and turn away from our sin, it says our prayers are heard in James 5, 16. So many times in our life we don't like confession and repentance because it's embarrassing. We don't want to tell anybody about it. We have an image to keep up. We have to look like it's all together. And so what I want you to know is if you've got things in your life that you keep hidden, it'll come out. Akon, it came out. The question is, are you going to wait to the last minute when the whole nation is suffering versus the time where you could step up and say, okay, I've messed up. I don't have it all together. I hope you know that. As your pastor, I don't have it all together. I hope you know that. I, I don't have it all together. I, I don't. I stand up here, and the only words that you hear that give you any benefit is God through me, not anything of me. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And so today, what I want to tell you is, maybe you think you've outgrown confession and repentance in your life. Don't. Because the world is built on imagery. The world is built on that. The world is built on having it all together. But the church is saying the only way we have it all together is through Christ and Christ crucified. And so today, maybe there's something you got to get off your chest, some confession and repentance. And I want to give you, I want, to, I want you to take some breathing room here as this is probably a, a tight grip. If the Holy Spirit's pressing on you today, that's awesome. That's what his job is to do. But I'm not trying to coerce you or force you into anything you're not willing to do. But today, maybe there's something you got to get off your chest. Don't let today go by without that because you're only robbing yourself and the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the vine. I'm talking about the church around the world, the blessing that God wants to give it. Isn't that crazy to know that our obedience can affect the church around the world in a positive way, but it's scary that our disobedience can affect it in a negative way. So what ends up happening to Akon? His whole family goes out. They bring him up. He just confessed his sin. All is fine, right? They put him in stockades, and the town throws lettuce at him, and everything's good to go. They're done. Sad story is in the Old Testament, no. Achan, his sons, his daughters, his wife were stoned. All of his flocks, his tents, 
those things that he stole were burned to the ground. Everything. God said he had to purify his church so that they could continue to walk in obedience to experience more of his promise. And so Achan's sin, Achan's disobedience led to death. And over, it says in verse 26 of Joshua 7, I know we're heavy right now, hang in here with me. Verse 26, over Achan they heaped a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then and only then did the Lord turn his fierce anger, turn from his fierce anger, excuse me. Therefore, that place is called the Valley of Achor ever since. That is the same word in Hebrew. Akon is the name, Achor is the description, the adjective. And so that is called the Valley of Trouble to this day. And so the reason I'm sharing all this, and we brushed over Akon, but what I'm trying to point out with you today is it's a heavy subject, but it's real. And it's something that I think that we can all grow from is to answer the question, what compels you? What compels you to be obedient to God? What compels you to do this? What compels you to have a quiet time? What compels you to pray to God? What compels you to take the next step he's called you to take, even though it's really, really hard, and even though it's like, I'm pretty comfortable right here. I feel pretty good. What's compelling you to do that? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to see what should compel us. And we've been taught this, and we've been, we can walk through this, here in the church is something that we've grown up learning uh, what should be the answer to that. But we're going to unpack that and we can see how Akon didn't live this out. But yet we have the opportunity now, if we have a relationship with Jesus, to live this out. So the answer, the church answer, the real answer to what should compel you, to what compels you, is this. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 through 15 literally lays it all out. It says this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. <clears throat> and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So it answers the question, what compels you? What should compel you to follow Jesus? What should compel you to listen to Jesus and do what he says? Well, Christ's love compels us. Let's unpack it this way. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be the only reason why you are willing to take a next step. Christ and Christ crucified. Nothing else. Nothing else. It should get you so fired up with holy sorrow that when you see a world that's dying, searching for hope, that they can't find in anything but Jesus Christ, you know that when you take that step, you're going to reveal to the world him in a new way. So you want to be obedient to what he's called you to do. His love should compel you. Love. But so many times in our life and so many times in my life, we aren't there, are we? Maybe that's, you're not there today. Maybe you were following Jesus for a different reason. Maybe you remember a time when you followed Jesus and it just it seemed like it was all clicking. And right now, you're just not following. His love isn't compelling you to grow. His love isn't compelling you to move. As a matter of fact, we've been talking about this in our, our, our experiencing God on Thursday nights. Is one of the key phrases and one of the key sentences to obedience is this. You can't stay where you are and go where God wants you to go. And so maybe right now, this is that spurring on that God's given you to take this next step he's called you to take. 
But you've got to be compelled by his love to take it. See, maybe you aren't there today, and this is an opportunity for you to ask God to take your heart and align it back with his. Because when you are compelled by his love, you can't wait to take that step. That's when God calls you to go to Africa, and you just go to Africa on a whim when it makes no sense. That's when God calls you to go in a neighborhood where nobody walks like you, talks like you, looks like you, and you share the love of Jesus, and you just get in there, and you ask him to do what only he can do. That's when all of a sudden you're so generous when you say, hey, I just paid my car off. I just found this single mom who needs a car, so let me give it to her for free. That's when you have a step of obedience, and you're compelled to follow him. But yet so many times our default response isn't that, is it? I know mine is, and I told you, I shared with me, growing up, I didn't get in a ton of trouble. I got in trouble. I mean, I wasn't a perfect little angel. I had my little devil horns. I had them. You know, we all have them. I wasn't a perfect angel. But I didn't really get in trouble. But we have these people in our life that are like Akon, so maybe this describes you. They would be like this. And my family's going to know who this is. So if they're watching, I'm sorry. Don't get mad. But uh, they're going to know who this is. There are those folks that influence your life that are this way. They think about this and they say, well, I'm just going to get a spanking. And yelled at a little bit. But man, that looks fun. Let's go. Like, you know, there are people in your life that, how many people know that person? How many people are that person? It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, so many times, though, don't we do that in our life and our walk with Jesus? Like, it's that way. It's like, well, he's already saved me and I deserve this. So, like, the joy of that moment is so fun. Like, being in Vegas will show you there are some things you don't need to partake in, but there are some really fun things in Vegas. I'm going to tell you, I enjoy Las Vegas. So it is what it is. But there are so many times in your life where you can be that way, and your disobedience will be like, so is Jesus just going to put me on probation for like six months, or like, what's this going to be? Like, what am I going to lose? Because, man, jumping off that stratosphere with no brake pads looks like fun. Let's go. Let's go over the edge. And so many times in my life, I, I, I really wasn't that way. I was more worried about being embarrassed and getting caught. That was mine. And I tried to do the right thing. I tried to be the right person. But the thing is, so many times when we get to that place, we get mad at God because he disciplines us. And we think he's mad at us because he disciplines us. When if you're a parent and you have a child, you don't discipline your child because you're mad at them. That's anger. You don't discipline your child out of anger. You discipline your child so they can grow. I know my 15 kids, like, I just, I discipline. Y'all know I don't have children, so I'm an expert on it. I don't, I don't. I don't have that experience in life. But I have Christ Jesus in me, and I'll be glad to point you to him as you walk through it. And we got some people at the Vine that can talk to you about children and having children. But I will tell you, so many times in my life as a child of God, I'd get mad at him. Why are you disciplining me, Lord? Look what they're doing. Look what they did. Look how they're living. Look what they said. Anybody else get stuck there? Like, look at the old, look at Akon over here, Lord. Like, right when you pray, Lord, help Akon that I'm holding their hand right now. Bless them, Jesus, <laughs> and all that they did wrong. We can get there. And so what I want to say is that this moment here, if we're honest and we're really honest, we may not be in the season where Christ's love compels us. And we can say that something different in our life compels us. So I'm going to do something here that's a little different. Uh, as always, y'all know me, I'm going to be doing something different, but I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their head for a minute, and I'm going to ask you to respond. I don't want you to be embarrassed. I don't want you to be ashamed of this, but I'm pointing you to the Holy Spirit to say the Holy Spirit is working, I guarantee you, because it's the Word of God, and it's active, and it's living and breathing, and maybe right now, 
It's letting you know that you aren't following Jesus by his love. It's not his love that compels you. Maybe you feel like he's got a full-blown assault on your dreams and, and the things that he called you to. Maybe you're like Abraham and he's saying you're going to have a son and you can't believe you're going to have a son because it's so far out. Maybe all of a sudden you're, you're walking and, 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 and you're saying you're like Ruth and you're like I'm supposed to be married but it's just not happening for me and all of a sudden you're looking for Boaz and you're in this season and it just feels like God is against you. And instead of following in obedience, maybe your obedience is, is, is marked by one of these two things. So for the first person in here that I'm going to ask to respond is, if you're honest and you're willing to say this, maybe you're saying, hey, listen, Tyler, I'm, I'm barely hanging on. I'm, I'm hanging by a thread. I'm exhausted. Like, I read my Bible. I say my prayers. And, like, the only thing that hears me is my cat. You need to repent for having a cat. That's okay. But, like, the only thing that hears me is my cat or my house plant, and like I, I'm literally on my last rope of faith. If that's you today, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray for you in a little bit. That's why. If that's you today and you would say that your obedience is, you are compelled by that in your obedience, not the love of God, but the fear of God is what compels you. Maybe you're not that person. Maybe you're this person. Maybe you're the person that follows Jesus out of a sense of duty. You were always the good guy or good girl, and you always did the right thing the best way you can. And it's not the fear of God that, is, that has got you being obedient, but it's the duty to do what's right that's the driving force. You come to church because it's what you're supposed to do. You read your Bible because it's what you're supposed to do. You pray because it's what you're supposed to do. But there is no love in it. Like, there's nothing compelling you to it. Like, you've become rigid. You've become very religious. And you see that you are only following Jesus just so that you can say that you're following him. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Because I would love to pray for you. You would say, I follow Jesus out of sense of duty, not out of his love for me. Awesome. Everybody can look up. The reason I wanted to talk to you about that is I want to pray for those folks today, and I want to pray for you today because I can tell you we all have these seasons that are like that, and as I was getting ready for this, some of you are going to be used to this, so I'm not going to smash a watermelon or anything, so front row, get excited, <laughs> don't get excited, uh, even though if that's what needed to happen. So I'm getting my little bag of tricks out here, and I started thinking about a story about these people. Some of you are already going to know because you got to see it this week. Ever heard the story of the coffee bean? The story goes like this. Some branding there. Whoever's, uh, there you go. <laughs> the story goes like this. There was a young woman who was at the end of her rope. She comes to her mom. She can't take anymore. She said, Mom, I can't do this. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. And I need your advice on how to move forward. And moms doing what moms do, they always have a way to help their children, right? They just know. Moms know. She goes and she gets three pots from the pantry, sets them on the stove, puts the burner on high, fills them all with water. And the first thing she puts in the first pot is some carrots. Then she throws in some eggs in one pot. In the next pot, she puts in uh, some Starbucks breakfast blend put some coffee in that third pot. She lets them boil for like 20 minutes. She gets them out. She throws those 
carrots in a bowl, she throws those eggs in a bowl, in a different bowl, and then she throws the coffee in a cup. She looks at her daughter and says, what do you see? And her daughter being what her daughter is, like I would probably be like, mom, you're off your rocker, I love you, but I want you to know this is eggs, <laughs> carrots, and coffee. I don't know what you're thinking about, but this is eggs, carrots, and coffee. And her mother explained, well, actually, there's something different. Because you see, all of these three things inside of that water face the same adversity. They went through the same trial, but each one had something different happen. You see, the carrot, the carrot went in really hard exterior. It was, it was fired up, ready to go. It had this hard exterior. And when it came out and it was subjected to the water, what ended up happening is it became soft, defeated, and completely different. The daughter feels it and was like, okay, yeah, I get that. Well, I want you to know if you're the first person who raised your hand, maybe that's where you are in your obedience to Jesus. You were hardcore at one point. Right now you feel weak, vulnerable, and feel like you're on your last strength. She gets the second one out, and uh, it's this egg. And you see that egg, man, it had a soft heart. It was soft on the inside. It was willing to be shaped. It was willing to do anything that it needed to do. But once it got put into that boiling water, that shell just fell off and the inside was hard. Now, I'm not a deviled egg fan. And if we know, we know, bless God, because it comes out different than how it goes in. <laughs> Woo! That egg, that egg. See, we got to have some of this. This is how we roll. Got to cut it through, but for real. That egg she brought out, and the mom says, see, maybe you're that egg. If you're the second person that raised your hand, maybe that's you. Maybe you're that egg. You're willing to be shaped by God. You're willing to be used by God, but you do it out of a sense of duty. And that sense of duty has led you to a place of religion in your obedience. And, it's, and you've become rigid and you're not willing to grow in your walk because religion drives your life, not relationship, not love. But you see, there was this third thing that was there and it was that coffee bean. Praise God for coffee. It was that coffee bean. She put that in the cup and the, and the daughter sipped it and, and the mom looks at her and says, what's different about this coffee? And The daughter says, well, it's different. The water's different. And she says, yes. You see, the coffee bean was under that same pressure, but instead of that pressure changing it, it completely changed the pressure, the circumstance. Instead of the water changing the coffee bean, the coffee bean changed the water and made it something that was pleasing, made it an aroma, made it just filled the room. It was something that people wanted, something that people could get charged up and fired up for. And I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus and you're trying to take next steps with him and you have a relationship with him and you're walking in obedience and it's his love that compels you, you're the coffee bean. You're the coffee bean. You're the one that walks in the room and changes the room when you walk in for the better because not because of you, because of Jesus in you. You're the coffee bean. You're the ones that people are like, man, I need that to pick me up in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but praise God for breakfast blend. Like that person, you were that person when you were walking obedient with Jesus. And I can tell you, I wish I could tell you in my life that I was always coffee. There are times in my life when I'm like that egg and my religion makes me pretty darn stinky. It makes me pretty stinky. My duty, my obligation, I'm only doing this because I have to do it, doesn't do anything to point others to Jesus. There are times in my life where I'm on my last rope and I try to keep it all to myself and I'm like that carrot and people see this hard exterior, they think that I have it all together and instead I'm nothing but mush 
and mash. And I'm at the end of my rope, but I'm not willing to tell anybody. And even though they see it, I'm not willing to acknowledge it. My friends, today, that's what I want to talk to you about. Because the Christian life is that. As we follow God in obedience, he's called us to be the coffee bean. And we're going to have deserts and we're going to have storms and we're going to have things that come against us in this life because Jesus promised we would. But if we're following him out of a sense of obligation or duty or we're following him because he's our last resort, we become like Israel going into Ai. We don't seek him until we need him. We don't have confession and repentance. We become like Akon and we bury our sin and we think if we bury it deep enough that it won't be found out. And my friends, you can't experience freedom that way. Because see what happens when we live that way is, is this thing called church, it becomes fake. It becomes pointless. When we live this way, we say, when we live out of duty and not out of the love of Jesus, we, we have a checkbox and we say, this is where I raise my hand. This is where I take my notes. This is where I read my Bible. And this is where, where I go to my group. And I'm the same I was as I was a year ago, the same I was as I was yesterday. And I want to tell you, Jesus loves you enough that he doesn't want to keep you the same way. He wants to grow you. He wants to share you with the world. He wants you to be a coffee bean that goes into the world and is a pleasing aroma to those. So that way when they hear about the cancer diagnosis, you can point to Jesus and say, I know this is crazy and I know this hurts, but I know who can help you and I know who can bring peace. I know who can bring healing. I know you're in this season where the, everything's falling apart. You lost the job, the finance are rolling in and the bills won't stop coming and the bankruptcy papers keep coming but I know Jesus is in this and I know he can get you through this because the coffee bean will be able to do that and, and you're that person that can walk in and when we walk in obedience to Jesus we get to be a part of those conversations and this thing called church is real it's authentic it's what the world sees is not fake because the world sees enough carrots ever been on social media the world sees enough eggs world can't get enough coffee you're welcome for the shameless plug coffee shops the world can't get enough coffee and so what I really want to ask you is what compels you to follow Jesus what is compelling you what is compelling you because God we, we learn in Psalm that God loves a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart it's okay to be broken he expects that of us he never expected us to hold it all together. You see, Akon went into that battle as a soldier who had it all together with his armor on, not the armor of God. And so what I want to encourage you with today and what I'm telling you is today, maybe you didn't raise your hand, you felt compelled to and you were afraid to, maybe you were ashamed to. I, I don't want that. I'm not standing here in judgment because I don't have it all together. But what I want to tell you today is if you raised your hand a moment ago or you felt like you needed to, move on this. Because it may be the only thing that you can be set free from. It may be the only way that you get through this season. I can't promise you how long you're going to be in the season. That's God's timing. But I can tell you the peace, the joy you can experience in it will be completely different because you're going to be a coffee bean. You're not going to be a carrot. You're not going to be a deviled egg, if you will. You're not going to be that. You're going to get to be a coffee bean. So I just want to ask you, would you be honest with where you are? Because realistically, as, as, as your pastor, as the person that's pointing you to Jesus, I have to be pointed to Jesus too, and I'm telling you, we have to walk in obedience to what he's called us to do and be. 
And if we do that, the world will see him in a new way. It won't matter who's in Washington. It won't matter who's blowing up your social media timeline. It won't matter what the bully says at school. It won't matter what the boss beats you up with. It won't matter when the job tells you that they're cutting downs. It won't matter what happens because your coffee. Who don't love some good coffee? So I say all that today to say, if you need to talk with somebody, please reach out to us at prayer.divine.tv. You Reach out to it. We have people here, 864-580-6698. Seriously, if you know anything about me, I'm a fairly private person. If you come to me in confidence, it's going to stay in confidence. I'm not one of these people that blast everything out there. If you need to talk with me about it, move on this. But I will tell you, there are people in this church that want to move with you on this because that is the primary function of the church outside of spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is how we make disciples as we get to be coffee together. And when we get that special blend that he makes us to be, oh, man, that's awesome. So as we get ready for this song, I just want to ask you where you are, what compels you? Because if you're stuck in anything else but his love, if you're stuck in anything else but his love, you're not who he says you are. And what I want for you to be today is to live out being who he says you are. Because he says you made to be some coffee, baby. Some good stuff. Whether you're dark, whether you're white, whether you're medium, it don't matter. You're made to be coffee and change the world around you because of him in you, not because of anything else you've done. So as we get ready to worship here, I'm going to pray for those who did raise their hand. I'm going to pray for those who maybe didn't have the courage to, and that's okay. I understand. I I told you in my life, I would get embarrassed uh, about being caught with things. And I would give the shiver. So if that's you, I'm going to pray, and you're going to see me move some things as I pray, but it's not going to make the impact of this prayer any different. So I'm going to pray for each of us. So Jesus, just be with each of us today. Uh, Be with each of us today as we get to uh, lift your name high and walk in obedience. Even when we uh, have the craziness happen, Jesus, you are faithful. God, let us be reminded that that we are who you say we are, not who, who we are. Thank you, Alex. Not who we are, Jesus, uh, but who you say we are. Not what the world says we are. We're not what that boiling water says we are. We're who you created us to be. So thank you, Jesus, uh, for allowing us to be here. Thank you for allowing us to be a church that gets to come alongside each other that is marked by confession and repentance. Not a church marked by having it all together, but a church with a contrite spirit and a broken spirit and a broken heart for you who is compelled to take next steps of obedience because of your love for us, because you came down, you lived the life we couldn't live, you died the death we deserve on the cross and loved us enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that we can have life and have it to the full so that we can bring heaven to earth because you are in us. So Jesus, I pray that we would walk in that today. Maybe we're carrots, maybe we're eggs right now, Jesus. I pray that you would show us where we are and show us how we can be that coffee bean. We love you, Jesus. Remind us now that we are who you say we are, not what the world says we are.
All right. Yeah, how about that? Uh, as we get here toward the end uh, today, I know we had, it was a little bit, a little bit pressing, but sometimes we have to have that in our walk to be reminded how great Jesus is and how awesome it is to follow him. And here's the thing I want to tell you. You see, we could read this story today and think Akon's story was over. Like, this valley of Achor is over. Like, that's it. His failure is final. And what I want to tell you today is in Hosea 2.15, it talks about the valley of Achor. God says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And the reason that he calls, he talks about that is he talks about Jesus Christ coming down to this earth. And even though our sin and our trouble led us to death because all of us are born into sin and death, there is a way, there is a place of hope for us. Even in the midst of our trouble, all we have to do is open it. 2 Corinthians 5 goes on to say it this way in verse 17. If we have Jesus in our life, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, the reason the Vine Church is here is we walk in obedience because of Christ's love for us to have a ministry of reconciliation through Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. And today, I believe maybe the Holy Spirit's moving in you and you're realizing for the first time you've never given your life to Jesus. You've walked through your life like that egg. You've walked through your life like that carrot. You've walked through your life trying to hold it together, trying to bury the things deep enough that embarrassed you, that shamed you. And what I want to tell you is you can be set free from all of that today by just giving your life to Jesus. Because the troubles and the things of this world that will lead you to death through Christ Jesus will show you life and life eternal. I promise you that relationship, that 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 image you're building, that status you're trying to grow towards, it will die with you without Jesus. But with Jesus Christ in your life, you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your failures. Instead, you're defined by him. When God looks at you, he doesn't count your sins against you. He sees his son in you. And the only way that we can have hope in this life is to believe in our heart that Jesus died and rose again on the same day and confess with our mouth that he is Lord and give our life to him and realize that we are desperate, leading to death without him. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed here at the end, before we have our prayer and lock it up, I'm going to open up the door for this opportunity to you walk through that door of hope, for you to confess Jesus as Lord of your life, for you to say for the first time, Jesus is who he says he is to me. I can have a love relationship. I can be a coffee bean no matter what this world throws at me. I can be the one that walks in and show the world Jesus in a new way. I can show them hope even in the craziest of times. So with every head bow and every eye closed, I'm gonna ask you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the life I couldn't live, died the death I deserved on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again so that I may have life. Come take over my life. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how.